It's Wednesday, February 23rd, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Income Investor James Early, from Million Dollar Portfolio Ron Gross, and from Motley Fool Asset Management Bill Barker. Guys, good to see you. Good to hey, see you, Chris. Chris. Hewlett Packard's earnings in a moment, but we will start with the continuing unrest in the Middle East. The fighting is spreading throughout Libya. And King Abdullah has returned to Saudi Arabia and introduced social and economic reforms. Uh, James, as investors, the business part of this story is first and foremost about oil. Uh, oil prices have hit another two-year high. What does it mean for stocks connected to the oil industry? Chris, it helps oil companies like Chevron, ExxonMobil, maybe not ENI, which is an Italian company directly exposed to Libya. But I particularly like Chevron because compared to, to the rest of the oil majors, it has a lot less refining exposure. And refining is getting squeezed right now. The refiners have to buy oil at, at higher prices from oil producers, and then they often have trouble passing along those costs. Valero, in fact, the biggest refiner, is down 10%, Chris, in the past few days. So are all refiners in the same boat, or are some in better shape than others? Actually, they're not in the same boat. Uh, two-thirds of the world's oil is contracted at European prices, which are now like $19 per barrel higher than American prices, West Texas Intermediate, it says. So usually they trade at the same. So this is a huge, huge spread. So Valero is getting squeezed because they buy at the European prices, but smaller U.S.-based refiners like Allen Energy, Holly Oil, and Frontier, the, the last two are actually merging, mostly buy at U.S.-based prices. So they're able to sell at higher prices thanks to the fact that European oil is so expensive. So the longer this conflict drags out, the better it is for the small U.S.-based refiners. Bill Barker, what is the ripple effect here in terms of companies that could get hurt or maybe even some unexpected beneficiaries? Well, uh, you know, when oil prices are going up, the thing that people get maddest at and, and figure are making the best profits are the place that they're buying their gas uh, at the convenience stores, that sort of thing. Those guys are not happy uh, when prices go up because a lot of what they make is not at the pump. They've got a pretty fixed count on, on what they get per gallon. It's about 9, 10, 11 cents, something like that on average, uh, whether oil's going up or down. But then they make a lot of their money on the convenience stuff, and, and people, after paying 50, 60 bucks for a tank of gas, are not necessarily in the mood to go get another couple of extra packs of smokes uh, or, you know, or mm-hmm. a diet soda, something like that. So a Casey's, a, you know, Pantry in the South, those, those are companies that are, that are going to get hurt by this. Ron? It's interesting that Bill says that because I was going to take the the other side of that trade and say um, someone like Costco could per- perhaps be a beneficiary in the sense that they're competitive uh, very much so uh, on gasoline prices, which will drive people to Costco. And then if consumers are hurting, uh, the value pop- proposition that Costco offers um, will be even more compelling. Um, so you fill up on your gas at a, a relatively decent price, then you go into to the store and, and you do some shopping, at least for, for the staples that the, the American family needs. So that could be an interesting dynamic. Do you have a there. favorite Costco item? <laughs> like what typifies? I think of toilet paper. Like, I'll just like, be honest. No, that is the, the go-to. But I, I like the Twizzlers, the uh, the 144 oh. count, which happens to be a gross of twi- of Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't see you wolfing down 144 Twizzlers. Um, Come uh, over one day. <laughs> back to oil for a second here. How high does gas have to hit in terms of price per gallon before people start changing their behavior in such a way that it? negatively impacts the oil producers? Or are the oil producers just insulated from this? 
It's a it's a, a noble question. I know OPEC likes something like $90, $95 a barrel oil because that's kind of the sweet spot they see between supply and demand. But years ago, people thought if we had $3, $4 a gallon gas, people were going to stop driving. This is during the, the previous uh, gas price crisis from you know a few years back, and, and mm-hmm. they didn't. People kept driving. So maybe it's 5 bucks, but it's hard to know. Well, I, I, I mean, it hurts all the way up. I mean, the money that you're spending, probably Americans will just keep spending the money on gas filling up. That is very difficult uh, behavior to change, but that just, just means you have less money to spend on other things. This is one of the reasons I would agree with Ron on Costco being a potential beneficiary, even though they sell oil at some of their their places. But some of the companies that are uh, likely to also get hurt are those that are most dependent on, on just uh, huge amounts of oil, something like a Winnebago. When you when you fill that up, it's not going to be eighty dollars. It's going to be you know one hundred and fifty dollars or or whatever it is to fill fill that up. And it's going to be very easy for people that are maybe deciding whether now is the time to buy an RV or not to say no. So the RV industry is nervous which, on edge, which is actually a shame because the RV industry was just starting to recover in in the wake of the recession. Um, RVs and uh, manufactured housing. Uh, those companies usually do both, actually. Mm-hmm. They had just kind of pulled themselves out of the disaster, and this could put them right back in. Hewlett-Packard's latest earnings were up 26%, but analysts were expecting more, and the stock got whacked today. Uh, Ron, at one point today, shares were down more than 10% on very heavy volume. What's going on at HP? I think what, what you just said is interesting. So you said it, because it didn't hit expectations. So it's not that HP is not doing a fine job. They made $3 billion of operating earnings, billion with a B, in this quarter alone. So it's not like the company's struggling. <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing just fine. They just didn't do as well as people were expecting. And that's because there, were, uh, there was some uh, weak demand in their consumer PC business, and uh, their service business was a bit weak as well. They, they are having some success in, in some of the servers and the networking lines of business. But for HP going forward, the, the, big, the big news that we're, we're all watching will be the smartphone and, and the touchpad um, introductions to see if they can really gain any traction in that line. Wow, HP is going to have a smartphone. That's that must be groundbreaking. You know, I mean, are they, are they <laughs> well, a first cool. mover on that? <laughs> Let's hope for them. It is groundbreaking. Otherwise, the one point two billion dollar acquisition of Palm was a big dud. So, how big a hit do they need it to be? I mean, is it is it the sort of thing where if it's a modest hit, it's going to have a, a meaningful effect on the share price, or do they do they really need this thing to be a hit? Because certainly, I think it's safe to say the iPad in the tablet market has a pretty healthy lead. Yeah, well, HP is, is a PC company, first and foremost. Um, but this is uh, a relatively big um, expenditure for them. The new CEO uh, came in uh, several months back and said, I'm going to be spending. Uh, R&D is going to be important to us. We're going to be acquiring companies. So there's a lot of money going into new lines of business. And if, if they mess this up, it, it's not inconsequential. But HP does remain primarily a PC business. And for naming, they... they- they look to Apple for inspiration. It seems like they combined the iTouch and the iPad and called it the touchpad. Is that, is that right? <laughs> that, that appears to be correct. Hey, look, if you're going to steal, I mean, there are worse places to steal from than Apple. Uh, chances are more investors know the name of HP's former CEO than they do the current CEO. The former CEO, Mark Hurd, uh, obviously, the uh, uh, the way that he departed the company. Leo Apotheker is the new CEO. I know he's only been there a little while. How's he been doing so far? 
when he first came on board or when it was announced that he was came on board, the stock did not react well. He did a, a relatively short stint at SAP, which is an enterprise software company. Um, I don't think that ended very well, actually. Uh, but after things had a bit of time to settle down, things really, when, the, when he announced he'd be investing in the business, making some targeted acquisitions, the stock was up almost 15% since January 1st. Of course, it's giving a lot yeah. of that back today. <laughs> a less today. But um, once things had a, had a little time to settle down and people heard what he actually had to say, the stock reacted quite favorably. So his main experience is a short, unsuccessful stint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, so, well, that's better than the long, unsuccessful <laughs> stint right, exactly. Exactly. at Carlo Fiorina. Yeah, yeah, if you're going to have an unsuccessful yeah. stint, you want it to be short. Or at least, as a shareholder, you want it to be short. Uh, Palm's uh, technology tends to get good reviews. Uh, the, what it doesn't tend to get is a lot of sales. So let's just go around the table real quick. What's a technology that you think of as being either overrated or underrated? You can pick either. You can pick both. Bill Barker, I'll start with you. I, I mean, really, when I think of all-time overrated technology, yeah. there's only one thing that comes to mind, and, and that's sliced bread. Wait a minute. Sliced bread? I yeah, mean, yeah. You think of how much credit sliced bread gets for, for being some huge groundbreaking thing that nothing, you know, anything that's great can only be as great as, you know, the next sliced bread. Yeah. The greatest thing since sliced bread. You, you, your life without sliced bread would be just fine. Whereas underrated, I think, is sliced bacon. Mm. What would you do if bacon just came unsliced? What wouldn't the slicing never itself eat be it. the technology? <laughs> what is it about bread, though, that lends itself to the comparisons? Like bigger than a bread basket, better than sliced bread? Bread is, is very important to our society. Well, it's been around a long time. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's had market share in the human diet for a long, long time. So I, I think that's part of it. James? You know, I'm going to go for overrated uh, x-ray glasses. If you guys remember in, like, the boys' magazines <laughs> as a kid. I wanted them to work it's so terrible. bad. terrible. <laughs> All I got was a headache. You know, useless. <laughs> Underappreciated by Americans, I'm going to say, is the flush toilets with the number one and number two functionality save so much water, we should adopt these. We're the all, we're all the we don't know what you're talking Wait about. Wait a minute, what? what? You guys what don't you even t- know. Okay, no. so Have you just gone to I Europe and you're showing off the right now? I disavow this There's podcast. a button with like a half full thing of water and then a full thing. So if you do number one, you know, you just need a little bit. Number two, you know, you need a little bit more. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> never seen these toilets, never heard of them. Uh, That's I, why it's underappreciated. I think there's a HP temper- ought to be moving into that space, I guess. <laughs> Instead of the touch one. Ron, what about you? I can't follow that, Chris. Um, I'm going to make some enemies here. I think overrated is the Wii. Uh, it's cool for like a, a few minutes. It, do- it doesn't hold up. Wow, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I, I stand like My nine-year-old would beat you. For <laughs> that, that's, it's a controversial show. All right, Ron Gross, James Early, Bill Barker. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. That last segment was not strong. (laughs) I don't know. I like the slicing. (laughs)